Luke, how are you? Hi. So I have a theory that I want to run by you. Can I listen to you run your theory by me while I eat chili? Yeah, of course, of course. No, people love to hear a fork uh, scrape a bowl while they're uh, while they're hearing a podcast. <laughs> I know, right? Well, don't worry, uh, Luke. Don't worry. I'll be fastidious. Uh, okay, so I feel like everyone is like a Counting Crows song right right now, and here's why: we're all very moody. Very, very, very moody. And Counting Crows is one of the moodiest bands out there, which is one reason why I love them. Uh, We don't make a lot of sense, and half the time their lyrics just make no sense at all. But we're just accessible enough because we're all kind of going back to work, and life is kind of getting back to normal, slow, like... Like, we're barely hanging on to any sort of normalcy right now, and we're definitely not oh, not okay. But we're not on, like, we're not completely breaking down, though. But, like, we're, like, you know, a step away, though. Like, it could happen any moment. If you live in California, you're already there, some parts. If you live in Texas, other than occasionally wearing masks when in public, life is more or less back to normal. Yeah, but you guys, people can't go back to sports. You can't anything that, you know, I would define oh, as normal. Oh, right. My normal. Yeah, your normal. My normal. No, your normal's very boring. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, really, Luke? Yeah. Yes, I listened is. to an audiobook called The Case for Jesus by Brant Petrie. What did you do with your I, watching I to an television? audiobook by called The Lord of the Rings. Perhaps you've heard of it. By a man named J.R.R. Tolkien, I believe, or something. By the way, I think T was Tolkien hates me, but that's a whole other other story. Oh, I Go love on. her so much. Love yeah, her she so does much. You gotta, like me. I'm pretty. Sure. You got to get off Twitter. Then people. Won't I'm not hate on you. it anymore. I'm. I am. I'm not on it. But oh, she really? stopped following me, and she stopped giving to uh, to Patreon like six months ago or something. And I just assumed that that means that someone doesn't like me. Yeah, that's probably it. It's no, probably right. fair. Uh, yeah. So, which is fine. Mm. My wife made chili. Um, you did. You made some chili. I'm so proud of you. Look at you. Can't do your own laundry, but you but you can make your own chili. No, no, no. My wife made chili. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Hey, daddies have to make food. Can I grill hamburgers? No, daddy. We have that the last six days in a row. All right, devil uh, boiled eggs. It is hard boiled eggs. Hope you like them. <laughs> Bro, thanks. Yeah, mm, I'm just buying them. <laughs> From a store, they're they're uh, three for two dollars. <laughs> Actually, you buy them from the store, and you can get the pasture raised ones, and they're six for three dollars. And I bought two bags and ate a dozen. Ooh. I was hungry. This beer is excellent. What are you drinking? It's um, drink. This is I believe this is from Ryan, and it's twelve percent um, alcohol Ooh. by volume. So we'll see what happens to me. Uh, this is a flying on the <laughs> buffalo, raspberry and chocolate barrel aged imperial stout. So I believe this, this came from Ryan. Ryan, I forget your last name. I apologize, but thank you. Um, should have written this down. It's from up in Michigan, that, that's where he's from. He wanted to give me some of his local beers out in Birmingham, Michigan. I would typically be against anything coming out out of Michigan, and I do mean anything. But this is good. I really, really like this. Nice. I'm drinking right now a uh, shotgun spiked seltzer. So it's Ooh, seltzer water. You. 
ginger and strawberry. Let me tell you, I avoided this like the plague because I don't like agave. They have like a agave and lime, and there's ranch water. Oh, that sounds water. great. Yeah, okay, so in theory it is, but I hate it. They have uh, it's called <laughs> that ranch. Sounds water. delightful. It's called ranch water, and then there's a brand called ranch water that makes the same tasting thing. And I was mm. like, oh, I don't really care for this taste. My wife really liked it, so I would buy it and drink it just because, you know, I love her and stuff. Yeah. But but she one time bought the variety pack, and I downed all of the non-agave and ranch water uh, stuff, and it was delicious. So Do you that's remember what I'm we used to use that term a lot when we were when we were in our youth? I downed all that, or I downed that case of beer. Yeah, uh, you know what? You know what's called having a. Uh, I'm, I'm getting real tired of everyone telling everyone else how to vote. I'm gonna be real honest here. Well, so that's honest. from. Uh, this is from. Uh, yeah, whoever it's from. Real, Ascension real, Press. Real, so it's yeah. a funny story. So I got a real book called the Catechist Field Guide to Confirmation, and then Clear Conscience: A Catholic Guide to Voting. And because I do every niche shop out with Ascension Press, every so often they're like, "Hey, do you want to talk about a product? We'll send it to you. You can decide to talk about it if you want or not." And I'm like, yeah, sure, send it to me. Well, my pastor was like, we should get some books for the clear conscience stuff or for the voting stuff. And so I was like, yeah, sure, uh, I'll read it. So yeah, sure. <laughs> my kids lost their damn mail key. I had like two checks, I remember hearing two this. books. Yeah. And so my wife was able to go to the post office and retrieve, uh, retrieve the mail. So, hey, I got checks and stuff. There you go. No, no I should, I, I'm sure it's got good stuff in there. And I don't mean to bash. Um, Ascension Press. Our podcast is is up for sale. Just so we're clear, we do have a number, but um, <laughs> and what a number! <laughs> Before I get into the deep stuff, do you want to know how insecure I am still as yes. a human yes. being? Yeah. So this podcast wildly successful, <laughs> wildly successful. Beyond any of our hopes and dreams could possibly be. We're about to hit 7 million downloads. We have, like an, we have like a $70,000 a year company. We're doing great. Uh, I still get insecure when I think my friends who like did a listen at one point in time stop listening or haven't heard the most newest episode. Because when I say a thing that I know they would contact me uh me about and they haven't it means they haven't listened and then i died inside are you talking about john oh no 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 this 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 is someone else it's fine beautiful yeah no i feel the same way and it's really funny when they're parishioners who are my friends and then they're like you know like hey you yelled at me <laughs> because you disagreed with me over here but you haven't been yelling lately please listen please please listen <laughs> know, you can yell right? at me all you want please listen <laughs> i miss our screaming I no, like quite literally, I got so mad when I saw that T with Tolkien stopped following me that I was like, well, I'm never going to pay attention to anything that she ever does again. No. <laughs> I felt so wounded because of it. <laughs> oh, man. That was actually so when broken. I decided to take a I, I was like, I need to take a step back. I need How to long take have a you been back. off Twitter? I don't think you publicized it. I'm as not much off. As... No, I'm, I have. So here, okay. here's the okay. thing I watched yeah. a little show. And then I decided to basically take a step back. And you know how you, Apple's got that um, screen time thing? Yeah. It tells you yeah, how, yeah. how much screen time you've, you've used. I cut back by 80%. Whoa, nice. Do you know how I did it? This was very easy. Go. I just put it away. I, I literally, I just, I didn't bring it to the bedroom. I put it on the dining room 
table when I was hanging out and hanging out in the living room or other places. I ju- I put it. I've got a little office that's um, kind of adjacent to mine. I put it in there. I just didn't. I just put it in. I put it out of sight, and it was so. I'm I'm telling you, I feel like I feel like I had a massive increase in empathy. Oh, really? Which might just be in my head because it's what I was I'm looking for. Uh, but I really do think I, I don't feel as on edge about the state of the world. I mean, I still do because when you hear what I'm going to be, be, what I'm going to bring up, it is going to be very depressing. But uh, no, no, I know I'm right there with you. I was listening to Cal Newport and his uh, his blog D or his podcast Deep Questions this morning at four thirty in the morning. Yeah, when I was I'm going a little for a walk. worried about you. I'm a lot worried about me. I yeah. woke up at 2.15. This is what happens. I wake up at 2.15, and, and I just have to go to the bathroom, you know, like no big. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking about work. And it's like, you know, rapid fire, high anxiety. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm awake. I'm laying in bed now. I've gone to the bathroom. I'm laying in bed, still not going back to sleep. It's been 30 minutes. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to just do some stuff and get this out of my head, right? Can I play on Monday morning like, well, actually, here, can I play white guy with a podcast for a bit and just kind of yeah. like act, act like I know how to, to fix your yeah. problems? Yeah. Um, okay, so you have a lot going on at work. You mm-hmm. haven't in uh, – I'm not sure if, if any of our well, any of our listeners know, but you now have employees. Uh, are you working out at all? Yes. Yes? Yes, yes, yes. You are? I okay. Am. Are you drinking water? Yes. Do you – do before you leave the office. Do you do whatever you need to do to uh, disengage? I Cal, try. Uh, yeah. Cal, Cal, um, uh, Cal Newport says you should have like a word that you say to basically give yourself mental permission that to done to sorry to be done with your work. There's other things that you can do. As in, there's a, so I I um, have a check in and I have a check out um, out system. Yeah, and, so the way I check out and is that, oh, sorry, no, 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 I'm sorry. Keep going. I was, uh, I'm just kidding. I mean, I, I did, I did have something to say, but it's fine. Well, I mean, you interrupted me with this whole it's, interjection it's thing. So I, uh, <laughs> but that's I what love, makes the show gold. Yeah. So what I do is, uh, whenever I'm finished, pay for our click, pettiness. Clicking, clacking on the keyboard, I take my right hand and I put like you know, like the your number one, you know, finger up, right, your index finger up in the air, and then I. And I kiss it, and then I put it in my belly button, and I swirl it around, and I go, I'm done with work! I'm <laughs> done with work! And then I walk out, but I have to do that all the way to the car. Now, Ooh, here's the, the crazy Gilmer. thing. Ooh, the pretty Gilmer. <laughs> I like how you said that with the microphone, like, flailing. Uh, no, and I do that, and I walk all the way to my my car, and I do that. And so that's how I know, oosah, work is done. Ooh-sah. So what I do is I, is I say, okay, I write down everything that I did that, that day. And then I write down, like, is what do I need to tell myself about to do t- tomorrow? And then I say, what do I need to do to be able to disengage? And that can be anything from just going, I'm done, to like, okay, I've got, you know. And then I kind of go, okay, we're done. And then I'm done. And nice. I, try I like totally, that. Yeah. I like that. What I do, I get to the end of my day. But here's the difference, I think, and you can give me your feedback. Your critical, sharp, intuitive eye. I um, I have a lot of open loops that I can't entirely close. So when I get to work, I don't go to my desk. I sit down at a table in my office because I have a beautiful office with crown molding. It's fine. And uh, I sit down and I write all of my stuff. I have three main tasks. Uh, I have three main tasks that I need to get done that day. Like these are the three things come hell or high water. 
And then I map that out. I write down when I have my meetings. So I got my three tasks, my meetings. And then what I do is, excuse me, ranch water. And then I, I take each of the three tasks and I write down a bullet point list list of very specific things, next action items that I need to do. Email Diane about the YM schedule. Pick the dates for the SAC prep class, right? So I do all that stuff. And then I just constantly throughout the day, if I leave a meeting, I go down to my desk. If I'm sitting in front of my desk, I pull out that list and say, okay, I can do, oh, I can do list number two with all those bullet points. And I start clickety-clacking away. So that's how I like oscillate between like getting tasks done. And I do feel like I'm done with a thing when I finish. And then, um, but here's the difference, which would be I teach at night. And then after I'm done teaching, people want to stay and ask questions or, hey, I have to get a convalidation before or after my confirmation. What do I do? So or then I'm going to text w- Luke a random picture of some person and he'll be very confused by it. She looks like Aaron and I haven't seen Aaron in a long time. <laughs> I was just like, what is I this? thought, okay, so this is the funny thing. This woman comes into you do my this class. all the time just so you're more so, so The woman comes into my class and she's wearing a mask. I thought she was a Latina. She takes her mask off and I'm like, oh, that is a very white woman. Hey, that kind of looks like Aaron. So I make everyone in the class take a selfie in the class and shoot it to my Gmail so I can pray for them by name. So they have to write their name, and then I can look at their picture. And so I have a little list so I can see their face, memorize their name, and pray for them. Right? And I encourage them to send me all this stuff. That's me trying to make it a little bit more personal and a little less conveyor beltish. Relational ministry. Right. And she sends me that picture and I'm going through the pictures and, you know, like trying to just clear up my inbox and I see it and I go, come on, that kind of looks like Aaron. So I screenshot it and sent it to you. And you're like, why are you doing this? And I was like, I thought it, I thought you'd be like, holy cow, it's Aaron, but it's not. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Maybe a little bit like, I'm, I'm, it might be a reach. I don't know. Well, maybe if you didn't get her pregnant, she wouldn't have been quarantined. You guys could have come to Texas. Yeah, but true. no, you it's had true. to have children and the fecundity and the fruit of your loins. <laughs> um, you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say something. Okay, and then you close out your day. So I don't close out my day because I have all the classes and the people. But where, we're when you're done with a class, you've got to close out your day. Then I put my and finger in my tummy. D- yeah, you do your whole thing. Give yourself okay. the, you're, you're, you have to give your brain permission to be done. Uh, I feel also, like I do on my drive home. No, nah, like, like, I'm like not when working. you leave, you gotta like done, and then you're walking away and you're and you leave. Listen, I, I I deal with this as well at times, but and this could be other things. You know, you've got a lot going on. You've got a podcast. You have a uh, you have a lesser podcast. <laughs> I won't say which one's which. That record the numbers. At a decent time. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, why am I being so mean? Um, I don't, you know why? You know why? Mm. COVID. It's true. It's true. COVID. I uh, watched the South Park pan- pandemic special. Thought it was okay. Didn't think it was great. Expected more. I have, I have such a high bar for them that when it doesn't hit, I feel like they haven't hit it in the past two years because they've been trying to make they've been trying to make deeper points as opposed to just being funny. And it's not often as good, but it's still much better than almost anything else out there. I've seen a grand total of probably eight South Park episodes, and I would say to anyone who has never seen South Park episodes, I would say this. If you ever want to get into it, not get into it, but just watch something. Number one, if you know anything about World of Warcraft, just online gaming and all the stereotypes. That's a phenomenal episode. I mean, it is one, I think it is, toe-to-toe, one of the greatest comedic shows of all time. 
It is so funny. I like cry every time. I mean, now I haven't watched it in like five years, but I like cry every time I'm laughing so hard. Yeah. We, they're going to end the world of Warcraft. <laughs> right? It's like all the neckbeards. How but... can we kill that which has no life? <laughs> yeah. who, who could stay all this time on a game and play for hours? He must have no life. How can you kill that which has, has no, life. no life? Yeah. And they and make he... it all mystical, and then the kids have diarrhea, and it's so funny. <laughs> But I'll say that one, the Mormonism one, yeah, the origin yeah. of Mormonism, the then the, obviously the two-part episode on Scientology, and then they the one th- where they go to try to figure out Family Guy. Yeah. And you find out it's just a bunch of whales. Whales. Coming, <laughs> yeah. There's one. This, people are going to hate. I shouldn't bring this up. Okay, I'm not going to. It's just um, it's just the Christmas Critters is all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say what they do. Do not look it up if you are even remotely sensitive. But I remember, and I, I, I am not going to name this person's name because I don't want to cause scandal for him. But we just watched it so much and laughed so hard. <laughs> it's horrible. But I think um, what I'm impressed is, you know, the show has been on for almost 30 years. Not almost 30 years, but like almost, they're close to 25 years now. And it's consistently been fantastic. And they really do a great job of, um, you know, like uh, a lot of people think they are atheists and they say they're not. They're just more um, agnostics who are like not opposed to the idea of God. Or I would say atheists who aren't opposed to the, to the idea of God. Like that's what the Book of Mormon is, is they called it like a basically like, – a, like love letter to faith from two atheists, and um, I just appreciate that that they're not yeah. just this like they're not they are they are only smug about people who think they're better than others. That's it. That's their own criteria. All right. Do you want to dive into what we're going to talk about here today, or do you want to keep on um, reading whatever it is that you're reading? I was reading about what the Woodlands creatures were. Good Lord, Luke, you're <laughs> sick. I know. Sick. It's so funny. It's so funny, but it's horrible. <laughs> I want to watch it again. <laughs> is there something interfering with your happiness, or is it preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, I started going to therapy probably about maybe four months ago, maybe three months ago, and I just kind of realized that healing is something that the Lord wants us to receive, but healing is always an invitation from God. Quite often, he asks people to to you know, take a step out. We have to take action. And a great way to do that is through a group called BetterHelp. BetterHelp can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line. It is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime, and I'm going to send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and I'm going to thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule a weekly video or phone obsession so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. Those are weird, as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so that they make it easy and free to change counselors if you feel like you need to. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is indeed available. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, wants you to start living a happier life today. You can go to BetterHelp.com slash reviews and read some of the testimonials that are posted daily. So this is what we're going to do. We have a special offer for podcast listeners. You get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash 
foxes. You go to slash foxes and you will get 10% off your first month. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional counselor. BetterHelp.com slash foxes. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. This is going to be a dark. Like we've been, uh, apparently everyone um, thinks that uh, we've been on a roll with our episodes recently. This is where it's this is where it stops. Okay, so <laughs> let me let me phrase this for our good listeners. Okay, Luke and I were going. We usually tr- we try idealistically. We try to record on Monday. I was having all these like audio problems with my with my microphone and stuff. So he said, "Let's just do it on Thursday." Okay, and he says, "And I have a topic. I think you're gonna you're gonna like talking about it." I said, could you please tell me what it is? So you're not the only one speaking intelligently about it. He said, no, no, no. It's going to be better off the cuff. And then he says, and you're going to like it. Just trust me. Okay, so I don't know what this topic is, but you say it's dark and depressing. Yeah. And you wonder what I think. All right, here we go. Okay, so about five months ago, around early April, this whole pandemic thing. So when it first started, I was like, you know what? I'm going to down. Everyone was talking about Animal Crossing. So Aaron, Aaron um, doesn't um, listen too often, so I'm okay uh, telling everyone this. So I spent $60 on it, then played it for a half hour and said, holy crap, this is beyond stupid. And I stopped. I just can't get into the Minecrafty like, build stuff, interactive world. I just – it just – it's – I understand the appeal. It is not. It is not my um, cup of tea. So what did old Luke do? Old Luke bought FIFA because old Luke loves the soccer. And so I decided because I was like, "Hey, who knows how long all this is going to last?" I will t- get an English League Two team, and I will play. I will um, play with this team, and the goal will be to get them to the Premier League. So I don't know if you are aware of this, but in England, with all their football, they have promotion and relegation. So the top teams and you know on on the bottom leagues, they advance at the end of the season if they if they're like you know however how they finish they will they will then go into the league above them. And so, technically, you could have an amateur team that is a bunch of people who like all go to the same bar, have a path to play to the to get into the. Premier League. Hmm. Okay, I didn't know that. It awesome. doesn't happen, but like it's it's yeah, it's 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 one of the key differences between them and almost every other sport in the world has something like this. We're the only country whose sports actually have a closed system where it's basically McDonald's playing McDonald's. They are um, franchises that are all owned by the same thing. So I was going to go with an. I wanted to go with a team in England that was in League Two. So it goes from League Two to League One, the championship, then the Premier League. To give you a a hint as to how long this has um, taken me, I'm I'm near the end of my time in the championship, and I'm probably going to get promoted soon. So it's taken me a long time. This is in a video game. Yes, yeah, a long time. Aaron's gotten mad at me several times for how much I have – played this game and then I've stopped for a bit and then always go back back to it. Yeah. I picked a team called Macclesfield Town because I liked the name and they had been around since I believe like the 1860s or something. And I was like, oh, they have a really cool history. That's fun. I like that. I'll go it's with this team. It's a real team. team that the it's video a real team. Okay. It's a real yeah. So 
Anyway, so I'm playing the game the other night, and I play this podcast, um, and it is a soccer podcast called uh, – I forget the actual name, but it was taking the place of the pod, of the soccer podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. It's called a Ringer FC. And these guys say we need to talk about a, a Macclesfield town wounding up or they wound up or something. And I was like, what? And I was, as well, I was like, I'm playing this game as this – team and it turns out that basically means they are going on bankrupt and going to have to close like the team's gonna not exist anymore wow. and this team is older than manchester uh, united older than uh, manchester city it's in an old on um, the mill town between between like london and um manchester basically on the train route there and they're saying how sad this is because this is a, like this and then they brought up a thing that I thought was just, was just completely fascinating. They said, first, you know, these towns, first all they had was the church. Then all they had was the mill. Then all they had was their football team. And that's ending. And this is starting to happen within a lot of the – so you have to understand, England has dozens, probably actually hundreds – Football teams. And I say on football, I mean soccer, yeah. but I, I listen to British people uh, talk about it a lot. So I just say on football now. I apologize. I know I sound, I know I sound kind of like a douchebag. But anywho. You do that even when you're not talking about soccer. It's true. It's true. And it, it, re- and it hit me that they brought up the church first. And I was like, well, they're right. This is the progression of the, of the Enlightenment and of the West. And what's happening is as you have these Premier League – Teams, they're starting to become, they are now these huge brands. They are two to three billion dollar empires that are like, you know, have more fans out in the other parts of the world than they do in their own country. I mean, these are these are like huge companies. I mean, you have Manchester on the, you have Man, I mean, Manchester like United is traded on these on the stock market, and what's actually happening is that like all of the money is now going to the Premier League, and as opposed to other countries, they don't share any of that. So you have to understand when Manchester United plays like plays Liverpool, they get more numbers than a Super Bowl does. Wow! So these are it's huge, 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 huge. And in other in other countries, they have to share that TV revenue with all the lower soccer leagues because it helps keep them going because they're pulling fans away from those, but it keeps them all on there because they're these really are. Like, when you look at Arsenal, it was started by people in London who worked at the Arsenal there. So these were actual town, like, it was it was a club that they were in that they formed a soccer team, you know? So there, there's a joke for th- three people. As the Premier League has gotten bigger, these teams have gotten, have, like, are now um, worse off. Combine that with... Combine that with the pan, pan, uh, pandemic, and then combine that with this like whole like Brexit thing, and how these towns, these small English towns, are dying. Everyone's moving to like to London or to other places like that. So you would have the main street in a town, which I guess they call High Street, and everything is basically um, shut down. But these, but these like football teams, and they're starting to die. And it's not just a small team like this. It's actually some pretty um, big teams that just aren't in the Premier League. So think a team like 
the Cleveland Browns. You know, if, if they had an if we had promotion and like relegation, they would be down kind of far. They would be on one of those teams that actually has a really big history because they're not on one of the big teams anymore. They just really aren't relevant. But the whole town's already been going under, as is our as are like a lot of our um, Rust Belt towns. And again, it starts with the church. Then you basically have the mills. Those are now both gone. And now all you have are the town of football teams, and they're about to be gone as well. Then I watched this interview with Balthasar. Okay. His last interview that, you know, he ever gave. I'm not going to go into this story too deep, but they basically were asking the story about there is this one um, legend that he wrote a book about comparing it uh, to Christian martyrdom, um, where you have 11,000 virgins and the, they were attacked by the hunts and they and one and one escaped and feared for her feared for her almost salvation so bad that she went back and was and was killed. Basically, the idea I think being that she was called to be. And she was called to be like a martyr, but she was too scared. And then she realized that she was called to that, so she went back into that. And this guy asked him, where's the emergency? And he called – this guy – I referred to this as like her emergency thing. Like where's the – where are those other situations now? Where are these emergency things going on right yeah. now? You know Balthasar, how like he responded to that? He said, everywhere. Huh. And I started to think about that in the context of what was going on. In Macclesfield town, how you have this town that is dying, that is basically on like death's door, and the nail in the coffin is the one. I mean, quite quite literally, the one big thing they have is that team, and that's now done. And I don't know how this all ends up because I think what we're seeing is this like. This is the end. This is truly like so. Not only are are like morals and all of our traditions now gone. The actual towns and institutions are ending. And you have your Londons, and you ha- and you know like have like New York, and they're quote unquote fine. But what's not fine is Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, or Steubenville, Ohio, or these small towns that have been around for a long time and were a very important place once, and people called home, and they're barely hanging on. And when I think about that, question is where are the where are the emergencies? And when he said everywhere. I was like, I, I think there's a connection here. Mein Gott, wo überall Kirche verfolgt wird. Und das ist auf der ganzen Welt. Es hat nie so viel Kirchenverfolgungen gegeben wie heute. Ist überall dieser Ernstfall. Um, I read this one article, and uh, this was sent to me by my brother-in-law. And it was kind of saying, how do you, it was, it was a guy explaining, how do you know when your world is collapsing and he and he had lived through that I, I don't really recall where but he said it's kind of hard to tell because life just goes on while like his country was ending and falling apart into this horrible war he was going on dates friends were going out to dinner like life was still going on it's not this big huge dramatic thing it just kind of keeps you just get used to it. it just kind of happens while you're going out to eat and while you're planning your day and you're going to work and you're having kids and you are living your life. I'm actually concerned about where the world is going, but not in terms of it's like it's morals. I'm, I'm more concerned with just like I kind of think stuff is ending. 
I don't, I, I don't mean the end of the world or anything I'm like that. I, I'm not being. I'm, I'm just kind of saying this. I've taken for granted that Belfountain, Ohio, has just always going to be there. That's where my. That's where my. I'm maternal. I'm side of the family. They're all. They are all uh, from that town. So my grandparents got married. It's where my great grandparents were. You know, they were on the board and raised in this town. Where's Bell Fountain in 20 to 50? Why would anyone want to live an hour north of Dayton and an hour east of Columbus in the middle of nowhere? Like, why, like why would you live there now? Oh, what's his name? Peter Krugman, the guy, uh, Paul Krugman, sorry. New York Times economist, hardcore uh, lefty. He wrote The Conscience of a Liberal um, in response to the famous book, Conscience of a Conservative. He surmised about two years ago he wrote, wrote an article for the new york times saying essentially why the hell does indianapolis exist why the hell does st louis exist get rid of them right yeah you, you got chicago go to chicago go to new york go to la go to houston don't go to these ridiculous small to mid-sized cities you don't need them right and you start to look at all this stuff and you're like wait what and his whole framework was like these little cities, these little Midwest. You know what they call the Midwest, right? Flyover country. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's a joke to like a lot of your, a lot of, uh, a lot of. I'm saying up comics or other people yeah. who are on the east or west coast. Yeah, and it, you know, I mean, obviously, the coasts are always where cities grow, right? By waters, where cities grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chicago, St. Louis, St. Louis, where you know they were in competition neck and neck. St. Louis had everything going for it, and it blew it, and Chicago surpassed it. Um, but you start to look at at all these things, and then when COVID hit, and the the way the different locales, L.A. and um, L.A. and uh, New York and the way that they, like, bottomed out and became this weirdo dystopia um, of, a, you know, uh, and, and the hyper lockdowns. I mean, the reality is you need to lock down when you have a super huge population density. But people don't realize, like, these pandemics are only going to keep happening because of travel. Like, if you just have travel alone, you're going to have the circulation of what would otherwise be local or regional um, you know, sicknesses become pandemics or epidemics. Um, and so you start to, you start to look at this stuff and you see that there is beauty and grace in a midsize or small city, right? Your local, your like every capital should be a good, strong city. And I'm scared because you see this, you, we all see this, right? When you go to Austin, you go to San Francisco, you go to China, you go to Beijing, right? You go to you know, uh, what's it called? Amstetten, Austria, Gomming. Mm-hmm, and you can basically mm-hmm. find, uh, you got to get a little bit bigger than Gomming. But once you get to the big cities, you find the lack of culture in a lot of ways. You find the capitalist reproduction of big box stores, big chains, big franchises. Yeah. I felt the, and that, that way. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I was just going to say, cool. that, that's the McDonald'sification of our culture where there's something comforting to know that you can go to a strange city and there's a McDonald's, right? Like, mm-hmm. I've literally, you know, there, there is something, and it's there's something yeah. real and yeah. good about, you're in the middle of nowhere on a highway that no one knows. Here's a podunk little town, and you know there's going to be a McDonald's right there off the highway, so you can pee and get an Egg McMuffin, and none's the wiser. But there it ends up being this thing where there is a massive steamroll over culture. And for me, that when you talk about the Enlightenment, part of the idea behind the Enlightenment is the embrace of what we call political liberalism, 
right? And it's not what we mean when we say liberal, right? It's when people say classical liberal, that's what they mean. And it's this notion of a the democratic age, right? And the democratic age before that was the aristocratic age. America is the exceptional nation because it was really the first nation, you know, of at least of Europeans, right, that didn't have hardcore aristocracy woven into every fabric of society. And the whole point mm-hmm. of the book Democracy in America is to show, like, France keeps failing at democracy because everyone wants to be an aristocrat. Everyone wants to be the king. No one wants to just be a plain man. And so he goes to America and he's like, look, these That's are the plain men, right? Like, That's these are the so men. interesting. Right. But, but then he says, but what do these men want? They want to be rich, right? That's what we are governed by. We are governed by mm-hmm. not status in society. That's an aristocratic, democratic uh, age. We want money. We want capital, right? And he said this, mm-hmm. and I thought it was so fast. He said, from the lowliest peasant to the absolute monarch in France, there's a chain, and you're a link in the chain. Every human person in an aristocratic society is a link in a chain. You might be at the bottom of that chain, but you know where you belong, and you don't feel alone. You know your role. You know your place. You don't just know your place as in, like, some tyrannical thing, but, like, you know where you fit in. He said the democratic age is a D. Yeah, yeah, we took the chain off the ceiling, so it's no longer straight up and down, and we laid it out flat so everyone's equal. He said, but then the chains are all delinked, or all the links are delinked, right? They're decoupled from each other. He said, now we have homo solus. We have the alone man, right? The isolated man. And, and that is, and we've talked about this before, that's the American dream. That's why when an Indian comes to America, like, they could have probably the same opportunities that they do in London, same opportunities that they do in Berlin, but there's something different about stepping on American shores. And what mm-hmm. does the immigrant say every single time? In America... Everyone can be who they want to be because in traditional cultures, you are a part of a link. You're a part of a family. And there's this amazing book called um, uh, called Tocqueville in, De Tocqueville in Arabia. And essentially, it's this Catholic university. I think it's Catholic university's professor who is over in uh, like – Cutter, right? Qatar, right? Cutter. He's over in Qatar, and he's teaching his students, or he's in he's in one of the stands or something, and he has his students, and he's at a, an American university, but you know it's run by American faculty, but he's teaching these native students, and they get the Tocqueville, they get the old world, they get aristocratic society, they understand that, and when American students come and study abroad at that university. They're like, you people are such slaves. Like, wake up. Your mom and dad don't own you. They don't tell you who you are. And when these people, like, hear that, they, like, look at these Americans and they're like, okay, I get what you're saying, which they really can't. But they're like, but you're a ghost. Like, they critique. Like, Americans think you have no idea how terrible your life is. You're blind to it because you're indoctrinated. Oh, I have to be the – I'm the eldest son, so I have to do what my dad wants me to do. And they look at Americans, he says, it's so shocking to see everyone talking past you. One thinks they're oppressed, and the Arabians think the Americans are ghosts. They're like, you don't even have a real life. Like, literally, all you do is buy, 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 trend, fad, music. Like, you don't have a name. Your last name, you'll change it on a dime. 
Like you don't even have substance. Your life is meaningless. And it's fascinating to see that. Well, so when you look at modern political liberalism, what does it want to do? Whether you're talking about statism and socialism or you're talking about corporations, corporatism, capitalism, they don't want you to have a history of family. They want you to be an individual, isolated, homo solus. They want you to be alone so they can give you your identity. So the new ideologies can come in or the brands can come in and slap its thing on you. And that drains us. The first thing it drains us of is our own experience of culture. So that's why the guy that wrote that, I think it was Joshua Miller. I might be wrong on that. He says liberalism is ultimately manifest as the anti-culture culture, right? So we're raised to think it's just ingrained in our DNA as yeah. Americans to be this way. And you think you can – I mean I quite literally thought I can move wherever – I still kind of do. I think I can move wherever I want and do whatever I want. I've moved all, all – all, I've lived all over the country because I wanted to. Because I wanted to, and I and I, I left my family, and we're now in two different states, and I hate it. I hate it with every ounce of my being that we are split up. But I did that because I wanted to at the time. I wanted to go wherever I wanted to go, and I never thought that wanting to live like that would destroy in like would destroy institutions. You, you, well, you now, just think, insti- yeah, institutions don't matter anymore. This and this is why I brought up that one on football team because here's the end of a town because people don't want to live in those towns anymore. They want to go to, to London, which I have never been there. I'm sure it's great. I'm kind of, I'm kind of an, you know, Anglophile. So I've always wanted to go to um, London. Hello. Live show sponsor us. Please, please, yeah, please. I will. Yeah, please, 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 Luke, please. We could do a live show that would knock their pants off their knickers. We actually, off. we do have a decent fan base out in the UK. So, um, but it, 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 it makes me sad. Cause I'm like, wait, this is all going to go away. Like, like, because and we're eventually going to lose. And this is where I thought it was very interesting. Kind of tying it into this, like Balthazar idea of well, when he said, like where the when he was asked where are the emergencies and he responded with everywhere. Like this is happening pretty much everywhere in the West now, where there's just like it's all like when you look at birth rates, like those being below two, like, that's so dangerous because you're not going to be like it's like you are literally dwindling away. And you're going to lose, like, it's actually, like, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you add to that that we don't know how to talk about this stuff without being accused of being racist. And I, this is a part that is fascinating because as Americans, like, I feel in my bones we're a country of immigrants, right, in so many ways. Right? My parents, my great-grandparents came over from Ireland. When people say, what are you? I say I'm Irish. Of course I'm American. But as Americans, a lot of us think... When someone says, what are you? Well, of course I'm American. You know I'm an American, but I'm Irish or I'm German, or right? We all think, well, a lot of us, especially white people, right? We think with that mindset of I'm this other thing other than my my home country because we understand These are where my roots are from. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. when someone says, oh, so like what are you? Oh, I'm Irish, right? And when I was in Ireland, I said, oh, I'm Irish. And this guy, this guy named William O'Farrell who bought me a lot of alcohol one night, he goes – you're, uh, he goes, let me tell you, you're not an Irishman, and you're a piss-poor American to boot? <laughs> and then he bought me another beer, and we laughed about it. <laughs> I'm, like, oh, I'm dead inside. I have no identity. 
And then I said, the state of Oklahoma has the same population as your entire country. And I shoved the old man on the street. Um, three million people. Um, Enjoy no, your street so- without a name. <laughs> the streets with no name. <laughs> well done, Luke. Well done. I'm Luke going back to ex- First Street. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to High Street. Um so it, it is so fascinating to us because, like, the complexity in European society between left and right also involves, like, you know, 1,600 years of national and ethnic identity, right? So in the far right, they have a phrase, France for the French, right? I don't know if you've heard that phrase. Mm-hmm. But just mm-hmm. think about it. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a real thing called French cuisine and French culture, and French music and a French way of being and a Parisian lifestyle and a, the, the, you know, like the, all the stuff that is so French. When we think of France, it's so French. But the French have a negative birth rate and it's rapidly declining. But the immigrants that are coming mostly from North Africa and all this stuff, they're having like eight to ten kids per family. And so the right-wing Frenchers are like, no, no, no. France is for the French and all this stuff. So they have this layer of like, if the literal French people don't keep having more babies, we will literally lose our entire country, but also 16-ish, 100 years, if not more, of culture. But then on the left, they say, but that's being racist because, number one, the French, the Franks are a subset of Germanic peoples. Charlemagne, how his sons divided the empire, ended up creating these, like, say, so everything's always in flux. It's just what's your timeline. And so maybe a lot of North Africans speak French. Now maybe it's time that a lot of Frenchmen speak Arabic or whatever. You know, and so there's this give and play that it's not just a cut and dry, like, well, they're being racist. It's like the obliteration yeah. and annihilation of their culture, but at the same time, like Pope Francis, right? You got to love and welcome the immigrant, especially the refugee who's like, oh yeah, yeah, hanging absolutely. on by a thread in thread. a nation yeah. that's falling apart. And, and ultimately, like a life is more important than a way of life, hmm. unless the way of life is Christianity. But but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I've it, gotten it, myself into a loop. <laughs> yeah, and well, but there's okay. So there's this other. There's there's an this other interesting thing that Balthasar t- talked about where he said Christianity goes out. It always goes out. And he compared it to, you know, the Jewish faith, which is always trying to find their homeland. Mm. Or trying to, you know, get back to this thing, this place. And he goes like, this is what it makes us unique is we have to go out. And when I think about it in terms of, again, like what's going on, and when the emergencies are everywhere, we're not really going out. We're going to where we want to go to, you know, get rich, to be where things are happening, to feel like we're a part of stuff. I, I, I guess on the what I'm wondering is when, like, a whole bunch of us thought, hey, let's really leave our towns. Was that – were we actually wrong to to um, do so? Like, were we being selfish when we did that or when when we do that yeah and, and it's I the tell cost people, of that yeah. oh, sorry you go ahead well just the the quick line let me just throw out the quick line as americans especially who are in their late teens and early 20s we tend to define freedom as the distance i can put between myself and my family right like i'm going off to college i'm going away to school i'm going to go away from here 
right? We look with disdain on people who live in the same hometown that they grew up in, right? This one, I remember this one meme of like a funny haircut. There was this phase where women had like a hair, I don't know what you, I don't know, the, like shoulder length or shorter haircut. And it had like like reddish, maroonish looking streak stripes, like light blonde, dark blonde, like brown, maroon. And it was all in these like long streaks. And mm-hmm. someone put a meme that said, uh, oh, the, the hair, the hairstyle of the native animal life that um, lives in the same town they went to high school in. And I thought that was so funny. And now I think, well, crap, that's me. I'm in the same town. I'm doing ministry at the church that I, but I'll tell you what, Luke, roots, you can't have community without roots. I was just talking to someone who's in Denver and they're like, I hate Denver and I love Denver. I said, why is that? And he says, so beautiful. It's so amazing. But the community is so transient. People come in. They're all this. They're all that. They change. They're, oh, we're homeschool family. We're Catholic family. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're in public school. We no longer believe. Adios. (laughs) You know, and they're like, what just happened? Well, think about that. My whole group in Denver is gone. Like the the people, my my core group, a lot of those people are gone besides the Nichols and the Durant. Like, you know, I mean, him. me God and um, Peter Nichols. were always at Sarah, um, Sarah and and Nichols' house. Always, I mean, we were. There, I was there. So, I mean, they were like my other family. And I think back to like a lot of, t- a lot of time that we'd be there. I'm like, wow, like me and Peter were gone. If you look at um, Liz and Maggie, they're gone. Aaron's gone. Like we're all, yeah. That kind of core group is gone. And where'd you go? You went to follow the capital. Yeah. No. You're- exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had a I had a really um, cool job. Yeah, when I started doing my community group stuff with Ascension Press, you know, I I just spent, you know, maybe six, eight weeks studying the community philosophy and all that stuff around community. And one of the big things was, you know, for for most of humanity, most of the time, people died within five square miles of where they were born, and they never went beyond that. Now, you might hear that and think – what a terrible life. But obviously, if you're walking everywhere, it's not that bad. But the the reality is most people knew. I mean, just think about the layers of community. If you died five miles within five miles of where you were born, you know everyone and everyone knows you and everyone knows your family. There's a certain isolation that comes with that. There's a certain issue and problem and labels that can stay with your family for generations because of that. But there's also something that transcends all that, which is actual community. And by community, I mean, let's say you live in a small town and you know everyone in that town and everyone in that town knows you. Guess what? That town is yours. That town is ours. I, you, don't, you don't leave it to a yep. bunch of freaking planners at City Hall to tell you what your town is. It's all of It's my family. It's your family. But then you leave because – and my favorite thing – I'll just say this and I'll I'll turn it over to you. But you know Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. I love him. I love him. I think he's great. You know, he's like a Reason Magazine style. I won't do those jobs, but I love love what he talks about. Yeah. yeah. uh, That's how like all of his fans act. I just want to be really clear about that. Everyone I know who who likes him, they um, are not a plumber. Yeah. Yeah, man. The trades. Anywho, go into my corporate job. Uh, but he, he said this line. He said, uh, 
if you're in the trades, you can make a lot of money, but you got to be willing to go where the work is. Okay, that that makes sense, right? I mean, on the yeah. surface, yep. Yep. we would never question that. He said, he goes, for instance, if you're a plumber in Houston, you can make forty thousand dollars a year. So you know, it's a living wage, like it's fine. He goes, but if you move to Idaho, where there are less plumbers. You can make $100,000 a year, and the cost of living is probably uh, less. I'm telling you, everyone in Idaho knows how to do the plumbing, so you're yeah, not that's true. that much that's there. That's true. But, so <laughs> he, was, he was right. But you know what I mean? Like, Dayton if you go where it's scarce. Yeah. yeah, if you go where it's yeah. scarce and there's still people, you're going to be making a lot more money because it's dear. It's yep. precious. High demand, yep. low supply. And he said, so you just have to be willing. He goes, but here's the problem today with these young people. And I was like, let's hear it. And he said the exact opposite of what I believe, which is he said kids today prefer, and by kids he meant young adults, prefer to be near their families. And he goes, and that's a problem. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, you sound like you sound like the capitalist version of a, a like a public school administrator. You know, that idea of like, you know, I don't know if you've heard about this with all the Zoom schooling. That's going on. It's like, how can I teach the kids without their parents hearing? You know, it's like an abdication of the family. Yeah, it's like, yeah, if I yeah. strip them of their history, and I see this all the time doing Hispanic ministry, all the time. The number one problem with Hispanics, I don't care who you are. I don't care how loving your family. The number one problem I encounter in my community is the parents are regarded as backwards idiots, and the, and the kids are just hardcore Americana. And their parents are like, you're losing what it means to be a Mexican. You're losing yep. our family. I've, I've heard the you're exact same culture. thing. Yeah, yeah, everyone says it because that's what we do. We yeah. strip you of your history and we smush you down so that we can sell you, brand you, or own you by the servile state. Do you know and, – and this is why I brought up the a whole Amacus Field town thing and the Baltasar thing and that, you know – um, one article is because this has been happening for hundreds of years. Everyone always likes to act like the church's problem started with Vatican II. It, this goes back to like Descartes, like this, you know, it, like this has been like this is this is the end result of the churches going away. Is you replaced it with capital, and like we're both, I would say. Like we love us some good old capitalism. Like we're not like, you know. Like I used I mean, to be an anarcho-capitalist. Yeah, exactly. I used. Yeah, like, we used to like. I would identify as you know, you know, a person who would say, oh, "I either think we should have like an anarcho-capitalist society or a monarchy." I said that in 2010. I really said that to actual people. Oh, um, God, that's awesome. That makes my that makes my uh, <laughs> nether real, regions uh, twitch. 2010, a millennial Catholicism, right there. <laughs> but it, it like, and so I'm not saying that like you know I'm a um I'm not trying to say that capitalism is evil, but I'm saying like when that becomes your sole um, driving thing, it is evil. It becomes another ideology. And it um, and it's dangerous when it becomes that, which I think a lot of the early people who were involved with this, they even like Adam Smith had some clear warnings about like what happens if this goes bad. And with these institutions going away, and we're not like we're not going to where the you know emergency is. Are we going to go to like these huge cities that are now just becoming gigantic malls? Like that's when I when I went back um, back um, to DC. 
last year for work. Loved Georgetown. That was awesome. Loved getting drinks with Joey. We went to the coolest bar. But uh, these people were being like, were being so loud. I was like, oh, Joey, beat them up. It'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I just remember, like, when I was walking around, um, I was going to watch a U.S. I'm a soccer game at a bar. And I basically um, walked from my hotel to this bar and I walked around um, D.C. And it was it, I couldn't believe how much had changed in the sense that it used to be this fun thing when there was a ton of like cool buildings. Oh, there's the IRS. There's this other thing. There's all this cool stuff in one spot, these beautiful old buildings. And then all of a sudden it was there's your footlocker. There you have a Chili's there. It was just like a mall. It was an actual. I was like, this kind of sucks. I want to see where Lincoln was shot, not where to buy this shirt for, you know, $100. Yeah, well, like, You're describing Times Square. Times Square is a shitty mall. Like, I stood on the red stairs right in front of this beautiful statue of a Catholic priest. And then you, in Times Square, right? Right in the middle of Times Square is a statue of a Roman Catholic priest. I love it. And then you look over to your right and to your left, and there's an Olive Garden. Bona Festa. There's a Forever 21. There's a McDonald's. Like, it's all that. People like in Austin where they make rules, and I think San Francisco has the same thing where it's like no big box franchises within center city limits, right? And so it's like you have to have local businesses. You can't have national franchises. So if you want to go to Home Depot, you got to drive 30, you know, 25 minutes, 15 minutes outside the city in Austin. And I like that. That's what the whole Keep Austin Weird means. It's like, keep it local, keep it our own stuff, not this national thing. And I think it serves the community well to do that. However, um, you know, you end up seeing, and all the stuff that I'm saying about capitalism and statism, this is, this comes from uh, Patrick Deneen's book, uh, Why Liberalism Failed. And he walks you through like the opposite, the underside of statism is corporatism. And it's not that they oppose each other. It's that they're different approaches at the same thing. And I love I'm – a, I'm a Tim. I love the guy CGP Gray, YouTuber CGP Gray, makes educational YouTube videos. I love all of his podcasts. I think he's hilarious. But they were talking one time, and he said, if there was a button that, that I could push that caused every human being to forget their nationality, their personal history, their country's history – He's like, I'd push that to, I'd push that right now. He's like, if you could still remember the times table, but you would forget that Ireland and England hate each other. He's like, I'd push that right now. And I'm like, yeah, of course you would, because your history you don't think informs your identity, right? Or you think it doesn't? Your history, yeah. Because yeah. and it's and shocking it, to me when I think about that Balthasar quote about where are the emergencies, and he goes, they are everywhere. In, in regards to this, everywhere I've gone for the most part, I've tried to go where I felt like the Lord has led me, but nine out of – and there's – I mean I 100% believe that – how do I how do I put this? There have been times where I've gone – I know for a fact I've gone where God, God, has, God has led me, and that has included a job. You know, like for sure, like, you know, I mean, when I moved to, when I moved to like Eureka, I could not believe because it was, you know, three days after my dad had died, I went to go and pray and I was saying, God, I can't go. I can't go to, I can't abandon my whole family. And I just really felt God say, no, you, you, you have to go. Like you got to go. And I was like, say what? And I went back and I thought Your new family will be Chinese students. (laughs) And Scott Duran. Uh, 
you will form an odd couple because he is 5'8 and 160 pounds, and you are definitely not that. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's a ginger. <laughs> uh, but you will both be loud and desperate for attention. Um, and the kids will laugh. Okay, no, I'm, I'm sorry. But my point being, there were times when I went where God um, wanted where God um, wanted me to go, and that's always where I, for the most part, ended up. But there were also things that I did because I wanted to, to do it. And had things gone a different way, had I been a bit more prepared in a certain regard, or had, had I just, you know, maybe had a little bit of a different mindset, I would have stayed in those places. And I wonder if we need to start going where the Lord is calling us to and not always going where we want to go. With it, what's going to be the biggest benefit to me, m- myself, and my own? Like, w- so so that girl, God was calling her to be a martyr, and so she went back because she was called to be a martyr. And, like, we're all ultimately called to die to us. Like, how do you know if you're living th- th- the Christian life well? Well, how are you dying? Yeah, a like, hundred episodes, episodes ago. I remember we were talking about this. It was probably during the whole Ascension Press stuff. And I remember, like, someone offered me a job at a diocese, like, to do this oh, huge yeah, archdiocesan yeah, yeah. job. And I said, I said, number one, you can't pay me what my local parish is paying me. Thank you, suburbs. And I said, no, no. And then I said, and number two, I can't do the type of ministry I want to do, which is – now, I, I had never heard of a ministry like your um, – Who's the the youth minister for Cincinnati? What's his name? Household brother and Bursa, yeah, uh, Brad Bursa. Brad Bursa, yeah. yeah. And you guys like doing so much interpersonal ministry. I'd never seen because my archdiocese does zero interpersonal ministry. I I feel like they just push paper and give you requirements and answer what? emails. Are you telling me that's all the the guy who used to help be in charge of most Cincinnati is now in charge of the of, yeah. of your guys' stuff? Really? Well, I don't Shots. interface. I don't interface. I've literally never seen his name on a single email. But I'm just saying that's what I've always received, you know, like yeah. that impression. And I, so I told these people, no. Um, they're like, come on, man. This is the next step in your career. And I was like, okay, I get what you're saying. I get it. I said, how much can you pay me to replace the fact that Angie will walk over with her kids in a stroller to my house Without knocking, come into the garage and put in a Keurig pod and make herself some coffee and just sit down with my wife. I said, how much can you pay me to replace the community that I have? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that someone that, you know, just stupid articles that I read where I get all religious about everything. But we all know I'm like that. But this one, it struck me so deep where he said. So often we just climb the corporate ladder, we climb the money ladder because we're looking for what is the next step up and it doesn't matter if we have to leave. And he said, but maybe your neighbors matter and need to factor into your economic calculus. And that broke my the spell of money, money, money. And so there, like, if someone said to me, Michael, I'll pay you a million dollars, but... You know, million dollars a year, but your children are going to be incredibly unhappy. Your wife is going to feel incredibly alone, and we're going to work you like a dog. 
I mean, I'd still say yes because money is important. <laughs> yeah. But right? yeah. don't get me wrong. As we said before, we know how much our podcast is worth, and it is for sale. <laughs> Let me just say this to reference Daniel Taj. Uh, they say money doesn't buy happiness; buys a jet ski. Try to Have frown you ever seen anyone on, sat a, jet on a jet ski. ski? Yeah. <laughs> Can't do it. Face so first, I reckon. <laughs> so, but you know, like, there's like, what, what is the amount, right? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What does it profit a person if they move one notch up the career ladder, but their kids are terrible, right? They're, they're miserable. Your wife is miserable. Your husband's miserable, whoever it might be. You know, when you're young and you're single, you do have more flexibility, but don't go away so far from your family because you'll go away and you'll plant roots. You'll get married. You'll have kids and you'll say, oh, my gosh, daycare is so expensive. And grandma and grandpa are on the other side of the country and they're like, I'll watch your kids for free. But you're on the other side of the world. Right. What? It's so hard. It's so hard. One of our uh, Irish listeners. What's his name? I can't remember. Um, Sean. Uh, yeah, Sean. He wrote this dystopian novel of. We euthanize all the elderly. Like, once you hit, like, 60, we euthanize you. And then the world's economies collapse because you can't rely – because they add – the elderly non-working adds so much to the economy of things that you don't see that are outside of just raw production and GDP type stuff. And so, well, and you know – this is – yeah. Sorry. I keep – I'm cutting you off. I'm sorry about that because I get these cool ideas. Yeah. No, go for it, bud. I love you. Well, and, I, like, this is why – culture and institutions these things like they matter like they really really matter because if this continues on and this is what i mean i I don't know if you can actually stop this i really don't know like we're just going to live in a gigantic mall we're all going to live in you know probably 20 cities they're all going to be the same and that's it like it's so I, it, it it makes me kind of sad because I I don't yeah this has been coming for so long and I just don't know how like out in Cincinnati you you have if you like a city you have everything you could possibly want every every single thing you have in a big city is there world class symphony great art museum great history uh, museum. Um, Great opera, great ballet. Oh, they could do better with their movie theaters. But, like, the things that I like in a city, this is where I love Cincinnati. That's why I, I just adore it. It has everything. It has everything that I want. And I hope it doesn't lose its – but, I, like, all the buildings they've started to build, they look like they're buildings out in Denver. Mm-hmm. They, these kind of just, like, weird um, rectangles with, like a like, a – uh, like almost like a, a, um, a light green slash like a gray uh, color palette. And it's standing on next to this. At, I mean, down in the over the Rhine area, they're known for their beautiful Italian and um, a German architecture. It's incredible. It is. I've been that, there. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's one of the most – I would put it against downtown um, Denver any day and say, like, this is actually better. I think Denver has much better um, neighborhoods as a whole. But downtown, over the Rhine, is one of the coolest part, coolest um, places in the country. Um, these buildings look horrible um, next to it, and they look the same as anywhere else in the country. Yep. yep. And I'm like, we're killing this – like, we're just – like, 
why would you know this? And that book, that book, Happy City, which I bet you, if you were to go to catchingfoxes.fm and type in Happy City in the search, you would probably find episodes where we talked about very similar things. And one of the things that they mentioned in Happy City was um, architecture matters so much in terms of like how people rate their quality of life. And this is something that you understood in the Middle Ages. And we talked about this with the uh, letters from Lake Cuomo by, I think it was Romano Gordini, I think. Oh, no. He's one of the Novel Theology. Oh, no. Oh, no. I should be condemned for being a heretic, Taylor Marshall. Meow. Um, Luke, I don't know if you heard. Did you notice that I, in one of our episodes where we talked about Taylor Marshall like two episodes ago, I put a sound effect. I forgot to tell you this. Of a cat meowing every time we said his name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot to tell you that. And I'm people would write back. it and be like, that is the greatest thing. And I miss apparently yeah. one one of them. <laughs> but uh, the the Taylor or uh, Taylor Marshall, whoopsie. Um uh in letters to Taylor Marshall. Lake Cuomo, um Romano Guardini talks about how originally Taylor Marshall when, Yeah. When you go to Lake Cuomo and you paddle on the you know, in the boats in this gorgeous area, world famous Italian area. Um, the uh, medieval town, the medieval towns, the architecture, it goes with the skyline, like, right? Like the, the homes are bit built in union with the surroundings because you're building it with your hands. You incorporate the surroundings with it. But then as industrial equipment came in, you destroy the nature around it. You level it, you dynamite it, you plow tunnels and holes and all this stuff and you build against the landscape. And that was his whole his whole understanding was like medieval man and ancient man understood that humans are a part of nature. Intellectual or enlightenment man, modern man conceives of himself as over and above nature to dominate nature. I mean, that's the enlightenment project. And mm-hmm. so like things like architecture matters because like in Happy City, they talked about like there was a Whole Foods that opened and it wanted to be like with the city instead of gentrifying and so it built this shop and it was like beautiful and wonderful but it was all glass on the first floor and it was you know and it's like modern sleek and like the i can't remember the exact details but like it it essentially it just offends the people that walk by in a way that's not like it's it's not beautiful it's sleek but not beautiful Mm, beautiful so they actually had them redo the outside with like brick and, you know, um, I can't remember exactly what it was, like brick and stucco and some other stuff. And all of a sudden, it was like the street itself changed. You know, we need to build walkable and bikeable communities where home, commercial, office, you know, all of that stuff, entertainment is within walking or biking distance. This car obsession just constantly isolates us even further. And so I think you're right. As long as we have... Modern transportation, modern mindset, modern views of the economy. We're gonna we're gonna leave our individual, you know, Indianapolis culture, Cincinnati culture, um, Tulsa culture. I mean, Tulsa is one of the homes of Art Deco, right? Frank, uh, what's his name? Frank Lloyd Wright. Lloyd Wright designed yeah. like, like, like I don't know, like the half of the most beautiful buildings in Tulsa. He himself designed them, and his students designed them. And they're gorgeous. But that was during the oil boom. That was when there was money flowing into Tulsa. 
And after they killed all the black people, good Lord, that Tulsa race massacre thing is so horrific. I just read some more stuff, and I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even know. I didn't even know. No, it's horrible. It is so horrific. So, it's um, like, oh, God, have mercy. Yeah. Lord, have mercy. I, Christ, have mercy. Yeah. Christ, really. Christ graciously hear us. Uh, but, like, now what do they build? They just build the same damn buildings that they build in any city. And it breaks my heart. One, we have an incarnate faith, and so this stuff really matters. Like I've no, been thinking, you so have an incarnate this. faith. My faith is digital. It's online, and it is on demand <laughs> for forty four ninety five. Patreon dot com slash cf. Patreon dot com slash cf. Even better, faith and reason dot thinkific dot com. <laughs> That's my high school youth ministry, Luke. Taylor <laughs> uh, uh, Marshall. Uh, I just want to hear the meows now. So I'm just, I'm just saying his name at <laughs> random, random times. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I just I, was this an interesting topic? I don't know, but that's all I got. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I, it was terrible. You lied to me. I, I'm kidding. I would add that that like that article that that I read that Brian had had um, shared is really important because it this has all been happening and we haven't even been noticing. Like it's been happening our yeah. our, our entire lives. Yeah, and we haven't even unnoticed because we're just living, um, and that's how the world ends, or how y- your world can end. Like there were people who, when Christ was dying on the cross, who were probably a couple hundred yards away from him, who were just eating lunch, and like what, you know, like probably didn't yeah. really know, like what, like I, I, I've actually thought about so dark? this a lot. Why yeah. is it so dark? Ah! Anyways, well, it's a line that to... Christ said about about uh, y- your world ends, right? What happens when the world ends? What did Jesus say? He said, it'll be as if in the days of Noah, right? When men are eating and drinking, marrying and getting married, and the flood comes, right? That's the thing, right? This is the way, T.S. Eliot, right? The great, the great poet, right? This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but a whimper, right? And here we are. And what did... What I put on my Mount Rushmore of actresses and my deacon at my church, literally his whole family mocked me when I said Natalie Portman. <laughs> I just think it's her smile. She's I, so beautiful. She's wonderful. She smiles. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I don't know if she's a great actress. But uh, they, they made a pretty good argument, and they made it repeatedly. Um, she has the line as Queen Amidala, so this is the way <laughs> freedom dies. Admit the thunderous applause. applause. Yeah. yeah, that's George Lucas is garbage. He's so garbage. So garbage. He he lucked into a four billion dollar payout. Like, if he didn't, if he was unmarried to the to his wife at the time, the films would have would have been horribly edited. And if he didn't have Gary Katz, it would have made no sense. He lucked into he had he had an okay idea and made four billion dollars off. I mean, God bless him. We're trying to do the same thing. Catching foxes is for sale. Do you hear me, Ascension Press? Do you hear me, Ignatius Press? Do you hear me? Not you, dynamic of Catholic. Sit back down. (laughs) And they're like, "Yes, we hear you, Luke, and we are not interested. You are not on brand." Stop emailing us. We don't care about your podcast ideas, even though you know it's what people want. We don't care about the nuns. We understand that you have the audience that everyone's, but to that we say, shut up. You're fat and ugly. Perhaps if you were a blonde woman, we would care. To which I said, if I was a blonde woman, maybe I would care too. <laughs> blonde women are so pretty. That's why I married one. My and to that so I say, Luke, if I Luke, was a woman. Luke, Luke, Luke. <laughs> Luke. Did you know where I was going to go? Uh, yes, and I'm clipping your wings. 
just like one of our fans said. I'm clipping your wings. You're, no, you're doing Can what I tell people you were something? angry at you for doing. They're angry at you for doing that. I know. Can I tell Can you I something? Can I tell you what I was, was going to say? Yes, please. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. Never mind. Can it's, I tell you something about my wife? Said. Yes. How she's awesome and better and also can crush beer like like there's no tomorrow. Yes. My wife, number one, she's <laughs> has a gluten allergy, so she doesn't drink beer at all. Uh, my wife has been on the carnivore diet pretty rock solid since February. She's lost, like, all sorts of weight. But more than that, she's been lifting weights and doing all this exercise oh, stuff. yes. I love it. She is she, is she is, jacked? She's not jacked. No. Is she close? But she is strong. She's strong. My favorite story. My mom, who is a worrier. Michael, you right, son is of a, a worrier. Bitch. Oh, Michael. Michael. Michael, you cockeyed son of a. That's my mom. I grew up hearing that. Um, <laughs> my mom and dad bought a generator during Hurricane Laura. They bought a generator. They didn't need it. They decided that they're going to buy one of those uh, home built-in generators that runs off propane. Right? So they're going to get one of those. Whatever, okay, I guess. we You've never needed it, but maybe now. Um, so they bought a generator, so they're going to give us their Ryobi generator. And my mom is so funny. She's like, it's so heavy. It's so heavy, you can't lift it. So then last week, she backs her van or her car in. Go and get and your friend. Pull... Go and get your friend. So, so it's me and my brother, right? Go and get your brother. Go and get your brother. You can't lift it on your own. It's so heavy, you'll tear something. <laughs> So me and my brother Chris, we you go in. You didn't even graduate high Chris, school. You'll, you'll hurt yourself, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Michael, Michael, <laughs> you haven't read The Great Gatsby. You haven't read Julius Caesar by Shakespeare. Luke called Did you, you out the other day about not reading The Iliad and The Odyssey. I frankly am ashamed of you, Michael. I, Michael, You haven't even read Bless Me Ultima. I mean, come on. <laughs> you haven't read anything by Maya Angelou. Ninth grade, you son of a bitch. Ninth grade. Uh, <laughs> Luke, seriously, so many people reached out to me and they were like, you haven't read the Iliad and the Odyssey? That is literally your junior year of high school. And I'm like, <laughs> shut up. But now it's totally a bit. I got Catcher in the At Rye. Oakwood, it was my freshman have, year. Ooh, oh, so classy. How many rapists came from your school? So I have Catcher in the Rye. It hurts. And I have, I have the great Gatsby. And uh, another book I can't think of, and I'm halfway through Canticle the Leibowitz, which is incredible. Ooh, by the right? Way. Isn't it so good? Uh, I'm, I'm, I just am meeting Eliezer the Jew for like in depth, and okay. I'm like blown right. away. Yeah. Um, but but let me just let me just say this. So my mom is like, you can't lift it. No, she's a worrier, right? My mom's a worrier. We try to lift it. She freaks out. She literally throws her body between me and Chris because she's scared we're gonna like throw out our backs. So my the baby thing- boys. Right. The thing weighs like 50 pounds. It is not something that we can't lift. Right. But to my mom, who is in her 70s, oh, dear God, we're going to snap in half. So my brother grabs like the little, you know, the things that he's pulling at. We get it. And me and him just pull it out without even thinking. And we just drop it onto like a dolly. And my mom's like, stop. You're going to hurt yourselves. And then my <laughs> wife walks up and she goes, let me feel. Let me see. And, I, and she goes, no, no, you'll throw your back out. Like my mom is so <laughs> concerned. <laughs> It's it's like it's so funny. It's so funny. And my 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 impression of my mom is less Philadelphia, more Brooklyn Jewish mother. <laughs> yeah, but, it's uh, George Costanza's mom. It's it is. Oh George, <laughs> George, go mom. So, so my <laughs> wife, <laughs> my wife bends down, you know, at the knees, grabs the bottom of 
the generator box and stands up and lifts the whole thing up. And my mom goes, oh, asshole. <laughs> like, jokingly, not being mean or anything. Yeah. He's like, oh, That's, I can totally see your mom like, saying that. Yeah, I just imagine I was Shannon just getting over, Rut's car! <laughs> pulling it up <laughs> like that. She deadlifts, holds it over her head, and then she grabs me by the neck and was like, say the safe word and I'll ignore it. <laughs> Again. Oh <laughs> I'm like, apricot, 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 apricot. <laughs> Not Look today, into my Gormley. eyes and say it. <laughs> yeah. Not today, Gormley. Rock I like to see the death. light almost leave your eyes and then kiss you. <laughs> Good night, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Catching <laughs> thank Foxes. Thank you. We'd like to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. BetterHelp.com slash foxes. Better, I'm pretty sure this is a sponsored episode because last week was yep. not. It seems yep. to be every other week. BetterHelp.com slash foxes. BetterHelp.com slash foxes. Let's be honest. If you haven't been up to therapy yet during this, what is wrong with you? Do it right now. Yes, you need it. Yes, the Lord is calling you to go. I just drank half a bottle of wine. Everything's fine. I just had a beer with. <laughs> All right, five, four. Wow, shit! So we're done. Yeah, you ended it, bro. Thank you, Max Town, for all the good times. Let me show you that you get to the Premier League. Five, 